So Money episode 464. Ask Farnoosh, happy Labor Day. Also, apologies. I forgot to attach my mic to my laptop when I was recording. Just a warning. It's a little echoey, but hopefully you'll still find the information helpful, fun, and so money. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It is the Friday before Labor Day. We left the office early today, Sophia and I. Welcome, Sophia. Hi. Hi. Um, Yeah, I mean, come on. I don't even know why we came into work today, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it was nice to touch base. But seriously, it's the last unofficial day of the summer. Kind of sad to say Tim and I and Evan don't really have concrete plans this weekend. Labor Day always creeps up on us. I know. I feel like for everyone, though, especially this year, everyone keeps saying how summer flew by. It totally did. I mean, technically, we have another three weeks until uh, the equinox, right? And then hopefully we'll still have some summerish days in October. But yeah, I mean, back to school, back to work. September is going to be a crazy busy month. And my son is two and two months, will be two and three months. And he's starting pre preschool. Can you believe it? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm just proud that I got him into a preschool because where we live in Brooklyn, it's pretty competitive and we didn't do anything crazy to get him into preschool. We just fill out the application and um, we, we won the lottery there. But it's uh, in our building, which is really convenient downstairs to have to roll out of bed, stick him in the stroller <laughs> or just take his hand and take him to school. And it'll be nice to see him grow up a lot. I think going to school, I started going to preschool when I was also too, I think I didn't speak English. So my mom was like, I need to get you out of the house learning your ABCs. I think it's good to start early. Did you go did you go to preschool? I did. I did. You probably don't remember. I was gonna say I really have no recollection, but I know that I went. <laughs> I remember everything. No, I, I do remember because I didn't speak English arriving and being really scared and really sad until my mom came back. And I stood by, I sat, my mom basically said I sat by the window the whole time. I didn't play with anyone. But then by the next day I was very much into preschool and I was singing the songs and doing the dances (laughs) and loving it. So it's just, it's, that's what I'm scared about most is this uh, transition because he's never really gone to school and been somewhere where he doesn't recognize anybody, you know, but we're going to be there for the first day and maybe the first week hanging out, making sure that if, you know, hell breaks loose, uh, we are, we are right there to help him through that. But anyway, I digress. Uh, we have no plans this weekend. Hopefully we'll do something that involves a pool. I've even thought about going to a hotel in New York city for the night for a day. You could find like really great deals last minute and with a hotel with like a rooftop pool. Yeah. Staycations are where it's at recently. It's like, you know, like a couple hundred bucks, maybe 300 bucks tops. But then we get to be in a pool all day and um, beats, you know, going to the shore at this point because you can't really find a rental for under, you know, an arm and a leg. What are you doing? I think we're just going to go up to Connecticut. My parents have a house up there and just kind of relax and enjoy 
the uh, last unofficial weekend of summer, get out of the city and you have a pool, enjoy right? some greenery. I do not. However, we have best friends who live five minutes down the road and they have a pool. Ah. And we joke that it's um, the it's a good family friend. His name's Theo. So we call it Club Theo. Oh, I love that <laughs> name. Yeah. So and he um, he's always so happy too because he loves the pool, but he doesn't put it to use as much as he would like to. So he loves when people come over and he has dogs. We have a dog. Our dog loves to swim. So it's fun. We all get in the pool. It's, it's a lot of fun. Cute, cute. <laughs> Those are the best kinds of friends, the ones with resources and pools. Yes. <laughs> and uh, September, just really quick, is going to be an amazing month. So if you're curious to know what's ahead, we have a lot of interesting, well-known guests coming on So Money. I've saved some of these interviews for the fall because the summer's a little bit quiet and I wanted to come out with a bang in the fall. So we have Jillian Michaels. We have um, Michael Ian Black, who is, for those of you who are in your 30s or 40s, you might know him from this very popular show back in the day from this called The State on MTV. That's where he got his start. But he's since been in a lot of different shows. And he's a comedian, director, and author. He's written a book about Donald Trump, a funny book. Well, I don't know if I would call it funny, but it's a children's book that's really meant for adults about how to define Donald Trump. Because the problem is, is a lot of kids are going up to adults and saying, and, and showing curiosity about the election and going, who is Donald Trump? And um, it's, uh, well, wait, wait for that. Just, it's a very interesting book. It's definitely uh, gotten a lot of acclaim. Excited for that. And I'm headed to LA next week. Last minute, got invited to be on The Doctors. And uh, so that'll be fun. It's going to be a really quick trip and I'll keep you guys posted on when that's going to air talking about money-saving tips. All right, speaking of money-saving tips and advice, Sophia, let's get to the mailbag and see how we can help people this week. All right. So I think most of us who have lived in New York at some point in time can relate to the first question. It comes from Lanisha, and she has the chance to get a rent-stabilized and affordable apartment in New York in the next few months. But after putting down the deposit and the first month's rent and taking into account some of her moving expenses, she says it will really deplete her savings. So she wants to know if she should maybe seize the opportunity despite that the fact that she might need to, you know, take some money out of her savings and then rebuild her savings down the road, or perhaps she should wait and, you know, forego the opportunity. Yeah, I mean I think in the beginning, it probably sounded so exciting. Oh my gosh, we're unstabilized. New York, that's really where you want to jump on those opportunities because they're once in a lifetime, it seems. But if you're doing the math, Lanisha, and it's not adding up, and this is really going to take a bite out of your ability to live an affordable life, and you're not going to have savings for a while, I worry about that. And so if you haven't committed yet to this apartment, I would still keep looking. And there was just an article in the New York Times this week, last week, this week, where it looked at Brooklyn. I don't know if you're looking at Manhattan, where in New York are looking, but Brooklyn, where I live, there's a housing boom. They have, I think, overbuilt apartment rentals. And that's what the article kind of concludes, where they've got a glut of rentals. And landlords are giving two months free, uh, lease breaks, like lots and lots of incentives if you're willing to sign like a 12 month or 14 month lease. So that might be something to look into these other areas 
if you want to maybe have a roommate too, that's another way to save. I, I think, you know, it's tempting, the rent-stabilized apartment. We all wanted to find one of those, right, at some point when we moved to New York. I, I, I actually lived in a rent-stabilized apartment when I first moved to the city. I paid $500 a month for my room. I shared it with a married couple, not the room, the house. <laughs> um, so that was the huge trade-off. I, it's not for everyone. And it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable for me. I could only do it for like a year and a half. I had to get out. Um, but it saved me a ton of money. So I get it, Lunisha. It's very tempting. But you have to be very matter of fact, very matter of numbers here. And if, if it's not financially affordable for you, you need to keep looking, unfortunately. Um, it's going to hurt a little bit, but, uh, unless you can find a way to shore up some savings in the meantime, you know, if you can between now and moving in, cut your expenses significantly to shore up some of that savings, I would feel better about saying go for it. But I think it would, it would be good to do some more due diligence and look around and maybe think about roommates or outer boroughs, but let us know if we can help you any further. I love this topic of real estate in New York and I've lived here for over now like 15 years. So I know I bought and sold and bought and sold and rented. So I know a few things about how to get good deals, but um, let me know how your search goes and if I can help any further. Did you ever live with a roommate, Sophia, or you've always lived by yourself? Um, I've always been by myself, but I have friends who actually just moved in um, three girlfriends moved in together because even looking with just two people they found was really difficult. Um, obviously, though, they knew they wanted to be in Manhattan. And of course, that's really expensive. Um, basically, based on where they were uh, were working, they just they knew for convenience sake, they really wanted to be in the city. They were willing to spend a little bit more money and had the savings to back them up. But then they thought, when we add a third person, it becomes a lot more affordable. Mm -hmm. So they ended up um, getting a third roommate and it worked out really nicely for them. Yeah, there's safety in numbers when you're there young really and you're is. looking to save money. And it's fun when you live with people. I think uh, they say that once you live by yourself, like you have, there's no going back. <laughs> you just really appreciate your your independence. Okay. Hit me up. What's next? All right. So we have a question from Wendy, who's been with her employer for 10 years, and she feels like she's not progressing or being challenged anymore. So she ultimately wants to find a new job. Mm -hmm. But due to several family emergencies, she's now the primary care provider for her parents and siblings. Mm -hmm. And so supporting them while paying the medical bills and anything like major household repairs has caused her to accumulate $50,000 in debt. And it's totally killed her savings. Hmm. So she's now torn between staying at her current job where things are secure and she'd have a decent severance package should she ever get laid off. And so that's why she's not really inclined to quit on her own. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, this sounds really, she's in a bind to say the least. And I, I'm sorry, Wendy, to hear about your family. I hope that, uh, you know, their health turns around and kudos to you for you know, being willing and able to support them. I think that's, they're lucky to have you. I don't know if now is the right time to quit your job on top of everything else. Uh, as much as maybe you're not super thrilled with the way you're going in your job, it is income that you need, you know? So it's not about what you necessarily want now. It's what you need that's taking priority. And the money is money that you need. And you don't want to get into even a bigger hole so uh, I would just say that 
kind of keep status quo for a while, but talk to your boss too. It sounds like money aside, this is a very stressful situation for you. It can be. I mean, I'm, I'm stressed out listening to this because we are working, you're a full-time caretaker, your family's not feeling well. All of that is no doubt taking an emotional and maybe health toll on you, mental health. And so talk to your employer. And I would say, think about finding ways to work from home sometimes or take a break. You know, the Family Medical Leave Act, actually, we think of that as something that pregnant moms take advantage of, you know, this uh, law that says you can leave your job for up to 12 weeks while you're taking care of your child. You're guaranteed your job when you get back. Some employers will pay you money while you're, you know, they'll give you maternity leave or family leave so that you're not uh, making no money. But this also qualifies for people who are taking care of loved ones, not just babies. So if you have to leave because you're taking care of a family member who's not well from work. The good news is, is that you will still have that job when you get back to work in 12 weeks or however long under 12 weeks you want to take off. You may not get paid for those 12 weeks, but think about your health too. You know, it sounds like this could be really draining. Talk to your employer about some adjustments you might be able to make. Ideally, you still continue to get paid something, but it sounds like this is a scramble right now for you. And um, you didn't ask me about this, but this is just kind of what I'm sensing. And I wanted to just throw that out there as a something to look into. The other thing I would say, Wendy, is that these days with the internet and uh, people connecting through Facebook and sharing so much about their lives, it's become this just normal to talk about Um not being well or your family going through something tragic and and connecting with people that you trust on social media to get support. People are going on sites like GoFundMe to raise money for family emergencies. Like I just gave money to a friend who is raising money for her nephew's medical bills. Her nephew has a terminal disease. Um, It's crippling the family's finances. She's a nurse so she's really taken this matter to heart on top of the fact that this is her nephew. She's really um, gone and talked to a lot of us about it. And she just started a GoFundMe fundraiser. And I think she raised thousands of dollars. People want to help. And I think that's something that I would do if I were you. I'd look to soliciting help and not being ashamed of it. You are doing a lot. And I think if people just kind of knew more about what you were going through and your family, they would sympathize, they would empathize, they'd want to help and people will. And, you know, being just, I think, do that. I mean, that at the very least, you might raise a few hundred bucks that could help pay for some bills, um, but hopefully more. And I would do that. So um, to answer your first question, no, I don't think it's a good time to quit your job. Unfortunately, hopefully things will change and you can start to focus. The other thing is you don't want to be job searching when you're stressed. You don't want to be job searching when you're financially stressed because then I feel like you're just going to take a job for the money as opposed to a job that you're really excited about, passionate about. That could take a lot more time and you don't really have a lot of time. You need to be making money uh, to address your bills. I don't want to see you going further into debt. Um, so keep us posted. We're really sorry to hear about your family, but we really, uh, we're thinking of you and thank you for your, for your questioning. Please keep in touch. All right. So the next 
on a lighter note, um, it's actually a comment and it's from Krista and she's writing in just to say thank you and that she's been tuning into the podcast since April and it's been a huge help. And since she started listening, she's been able to pay off all of her debt. She started using a high interest savings account. She's doubled her 401k contributions and met with a financial advisor. So she says the show has been a total lifesaver. Well, Krista, my uh, I'm f- completely floored, excited, honored, grateful, all of the above. I mean, this is like, you know, why I do the show. So I really appreciate your feedback. I'm so happy for you. And this is, you're so money. Like you're more than so money. There's, what, what is so, <laughs> so moneyist? I don't, you're awesome, Krista. Thanks for sharing that. And, um, let us know. I mean, even while you're doing all these amazing things, maybe along the way you do have questions. It's okay to ask. I want to be a resource for you. So keep uh, keep in touch. All right. So we always have a question on student loans. So, of course, the next one is on student loans from Claudia. She was recently offered an opportunity to get rid of some of her student loans through a program that she says was signed by POTUS. And she wants to know if it's a smart move. She has about $12,000 in loans. And through the program, they're offering to reduce them to a little under $4,000. However, she says they'll charge anywhere from $500 to $1,400 to fill out paperwork. Will this? But she wants to know if this will ultimately affect her credit. Hmm. This seems fishy to me. What about you, Sophia? Does this sound a little I- off? Three, yeah. It seems like a lot of money to fill out some paperwork. (laughs) So, Claudia, sometimes we do a little behind-the-scenes background on these questions because this, I have to say, when I read it first, and when you read it first, Sophia, like your question about the credit is a good one, but we had other questions because we looked – I'm familiar with, uh, you know – income-based repayment and there's modification plans for federal borrowers. What you are being offered doesn't sound familiar at all to me because what this sounds to me like is a debt settlement. And as far as I know, no government, no federal program is offering debt settlement to current borrowers. What they are saying is, well, modify, in one case, I'll say they'll, they'll modify your monthly payment to no more than 10% of your income. And, um, you know, as you make more money, you'll pay more. But if you haven't completely paid off your debt within, I think it's like 20 years or 10 years, don't quote me, um, then they'll relieve you of your remaining balance. But this sounds to me like uh, just a straight up settlement. And typically settlements do get reported to the credit bureaus and they're not positive. You know, it's like you settle the debt, you pay pennies on the dollar, and that can negatively impact your credit depending on how it's reported. And the other thing is they're asking you to pay money to do this program, which as far as I know, if you go directly to studentaid.ed.gov or ibrinfo.org, there's no cost to applying um, and ultimately following it through these programs through direct to the government. This could be a third party, it sounds like, that's coming to you with this offer. I'm not 100% sure about this. And so if you want, follow up with us 
with some of the literature, some of the fine print, who's giving you this offer? I, it doesn't sound like it's coming directly from POTUS or the government. It sounds like a third party. It sounds a little fishy to me. I'm curious. So let's follow up on this. I, I'm not going to say this is, this could be a fraudulent thing. I'm going to put that out there. Yes, indeed. This could be fraud. <laughs> we we cracked the case here on so money uh, but seriously claudia don't give them any money yet okay until you've talked to someone me or um maybe go directly to the lender and say what's going on here you know uh should i do this and, and uh, whatever you do don't give this entity money until you have all the facts in writing all right i think we have time for one more yeah, we're already at the last question. And it's from Chrissy. She said her husband's company went out of business and he changed jobs, but is now making half the money than at his previous position. And she also works full time, but they've completely blown through their savings and are behind on their bills. Mm -hmm. And their credit is worsening and no one will let them borrow any money. So she says, though I hate to file for bankruptcy, I see no other solution for relief. So she wants to know if there's a way to file for bankruptcy in California without involving their mortgage and auto loans because they can still afford those. Well, I think if you can still afford your mortgage and your auto loans, you might not qualify for bankruptcy, right? I mean, the, first of all, bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy has gotten a lot more difficult to qualify for in this country on purpose in the sense that the days of filing for bankruptcy and having all of your debts relieved, all of them, uh, are, are long gone. And if a court can just determine that you make enough money to still address a lot of your bills and a mortgage is a big bill and an auto loan is a big bill, they may not have the sympathy for you to say, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, bankruptcy approved. So I think that's good news. I would hate to see you go through bankruptcy when you don't have to and you don't need to. Um, I know that money is super tight for you right now. You have stated that, you know, credit's getting tougher to get because of your debt. And so you almost feel like you're in this quicksand, um, this financial quicksand. But I think what you, what I would do is first go to a credit counselor, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, and that's nfcc.org is one really great organization. It's a national organization. Their job is to work with people like you who are having trouble making ends meet and finding a way to one, give you advice on how to maybe address your debt, but also they have debt management programs. If they think that you're qualified for that, it's like 10 bucks a month, $15 a month, maybe even waive depending on your financial situation. And what that program serves for its uh, clients, I guess, is that they, these people act as basically credit advocates for you. They call your creditors, they try to modify your debt. They don't settle, but they try to find more affordable payment plans so that you can more affordably pay every month your bills. Um, so that's the first thing. I would say look for a trusted source to you know have them review your budget, your debt, your savings, your income, and they can maybe come up with a, a program for you that works and that's affordable. The second thing I would say is... Um, your husband went out of business or his company went out of business. He changed jobs. He's making half the money on his previous position. Can he make more on the side? Uh, there, We've talked about this a lot on the show and I write about this all the time. Making money 
passively, even if it's like renting out a room in your house through Airbnb, renting out your car through Toro.com, renting your tools. There are websites out there that you can literally rent a lot of your stuff. And little by little, $50 here, $70 there, $100 there, make money. You can pet sit. You can... There's so many ways with now this sharing economy and the internet to find ways to make money relatively simply. And it's maybe not something that you think you can do because you've got very limited time. But when you start to really explore it, some of this stuff doesn't take much time. You can fold it into your existing errands. You can, again, rent stuff. You don't have to be there for it. So look at that to maybe supplement some of that income. Um, So that's what I would say. I'm not a fan of bankruptcy. It's obviously a last resort. In this case, you know, you can already, you can make your mortgage and your auto loans. And I would just make sure you stay current on that stuff because if you don't and you fall behind and you start to go into foreclosure or, you know, um, delinquency, then maybe, yeah, you'll qualify for bankruptcy, but then they will come after your house and they will come after your car. You, those things are no longer protected in, in my, from my understanding in California, at least. Um, so if it gets to that point, I hope it doesn't, you need to talk to a personal bankruptcy attorney and they'll be able to tell you specifically what the steps are, what's on the other side. And it's not going to be an easy road. So do the most you can now to prevent that from happening and, um, keep us posted, Chrissy. Thanks for sharing. All right. That is a wrap. And, uh, just like it's, we're getting out of the office early. I hope you got got out of the office early. You're hitting the road. You're at the beach already or at the pool. You're having something fun to do this weekend. I wish you all a phenomenal, relaxing, so money long weekend. So if you have fun at your mooching off your friend's pool. <laughs> Thank hope, you. I hope to do the same at some rooftop hotel in New York City. If not, I'll be somewhere air conditioned for sure. And thank you for tuning in. And when we come back, it'll be back to school, back to fall, back in session. Looking forward to having you all back here on the show. Happy weekend. Hope it's so money. <laughs>